Hey everybody, welcome back to Ask Me Anything. We are in a marriage and family series on the podcast. We just did a two-part episode about dating. Now we are shifting gears and we're going to talk about parenting. And not just parenting, parenting teenagers. So uh, I'm Matt Love. I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer. And J.D., you are parenting teenagers right now. You've been parenting teenagers for a few years. So I imagine you've got it all figured out. This is just you saying all the exact ways to make it be super easy to parent teenagers, right? So, Pastor Jay, you just kind of unpack this for us. What are the most important elements in parenting teenagers? Well, Matt, first let me say how underprepared and unqualified I, I feel for this one. You know, anybody who feels confident when they're parenting teenagers, you know you're talking to somebody who is absolutely and totally clueless. Uh, yeah, you do have those parents that seem somehow they get these overachiever kids and they get along great with their parents and you're just watching it. But then you find out later inevitably that, I don't know, you know, Kids still living at home when they're older or they develop a drug problem or they've got uh, eating disorders or, I mean, something like that. It's just there's I've never talked to a parent of teenagers who felt like, man, I got this thing figured out. And maybe if you are that parent, then, man, praise God. But for the vast majority of us, it feels like I, I think James Dobson said this years ago. He said, you know, what do you do when you um, your kid goes into middle school? He says you put them in a barrel and feed them through a hole when they become a you know, high school or he says you plug up the hole and you just you wait it out. You know, I, one of my mentors described it and this is such a helpful metaphor. He said those teenage years are like that scene in Apollo 13 where uh, the you know, starting Tom Hanks where they're coming back into the Earth's atmosphere and they're going to lose radio contact for like four and a half minutes or something like that. And like the you know, it's sort of the the climax of the movie. Everybody's watching that part of the sky where they're supposed to come through, but they don't know if they, you know, burned up, they came in at the wrong entry that, you know, and so you just in suspense. And then finally they come through. He said, that's what the teenager years feel like is like, you're just watching. Cause it's just like four and a half years of radio silence. And you're like, they went in at the right angle. Are they going to come out? And that's certainly how I felt. Um, it's, it's, it's been one of the most challenging um, things I've ever done. I, tongue in cheek, I always call my say my teenage daughters. I call them my North Koreans because now they're smart enough to make nuclear bombs, but they're not mature enough to handle them. And I'm just trying to you know keep things from detonating. So I don't know. All that to say is is maybe you should ask me this in ten years, and I'll have a lot better answer. But I, I'll give you a few things that that I do believe God has brought Veronica and I to understand in this. So think of this as a answer in progress. Um, I think the first thing that Veronica and I have kind of really come to understand is that every kid really is different. Even the kids in our house are, are different. Um, there was a Christian counselor who said that, you know, kids tend to be either compliant or defiant. They sort of, you could lump them into one of those two, two categories. And the strategies for working with each, either a compliant or a defiant kid could not be more different. And scripture even seems to allude to that. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Um, Hebrew scholars point out that what it actually says is train up a child according to his way. Literally in Hebrew, according to his bent. And they say it's like an arrow. A good archer adjusts his aim based on the shape of the arrow. And you've got to understand the particular way that your kid is wired and, and adjust accordingly. For our kids, different ones of our kids have definitely fit into different categories and we've just learn that what works on one and the way we ought to, to, to lead one is, is different than how we lead the other. You know, in general, what we've come to understand is that in the teenage years, you're going from disciplining for control to empowering for responsibility. Um, there's a great book and a podcast that Veronica and I have really benefited from, written by a Christian psychologist um, by the name of Dr. Kenneth Wilgus. It's called Biting the Hand That Feeds You. 
And he says, you know, really your um, the teenage years are, are you're pursuing a, what he calls a planned emancipation. And so you're gradually shifting um, your control over your kid, which is what is true in their elementary years, to where you're, you're more of a, you're giving them freedom. It doesn't happen all at once. And so it's a, a gradual emancipation and you were giving them, you're empowered. You're trying to get them to where they're going to make wise decisions. Um, you don't control them until the day they leave your house. And then all of a sudden they just, they, they go out in the world. Those teenage years are, they are, are beginning to desire more independence and you are beginning to grant it. And if you don't grant them that independence, not only does it frustrate them and you is eventually they'll just rip it away from you and say, this is in, in some kind of rebellion. And so you are, are trying to empower them with freedom and um, give them, yes, give them consequences for their behavior. But um, like he says, you become less of a, of a cop and more of a judge um, where, yes, I, I'm, you know, there are consequences for this, but I, I'm not trying to police your behavior all the time and, and make you choose these things. Uh, John Ortberg, the Christian counselor and pastor, he says, you go from being responsible for your kids in their elementary years to being responsible to them. I've always loved how Andy Stanley describes this. He says, you know, in your early years of parenting, you think like a mechanic. He said, but in your their later teenage years, you have to start thinking like a farmer. And he says, a lot of Christian parents go wrong because they're still thinking like a mechanic. He says, you know, how's a mechanic think? You're driving down the road, here's something, you know, rattle in your car. You pull the car off the side of the road. You open the hood. You look for what's making it rattle and you try to fix it. He said, a farmer thinks differently when you plant the seed. He says, you don't just, you know, get worried about the seed, dig it up and see what's going on with it. That's the worst possible thing for a seed. After you plant the seed, you've got to, to wait because now it's between the seed and the soil. Sure, you have a role in helping keep the sun and the rain on it and everything, but ultimately there's some things that only the seed can do in the soil, and your role is no longer to be the mechanic trying to fix whatever's there. You planted good seed, and now you've got to give that seed the freedom to grow, and if you try to make it grow, you're just going to mess it up, which leads me to the kind of the third thing that, 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 that Veronica and I have learned through this, and that is you just cannot play the role of the Holy Spirit as much as you might want to. The control you think you have is an illusion, and if you are or treating your kids the way a mechanic treats a car, trying to fix their hearts and change what they desire and change what they want. It's just going to, you might maintain the illusion of control for a while, but you're not going to see what's brewing underneath. Um, you know, when Jesus talked about his parable of the soils, he talked about a certain kinds of soil that weren't ready for the seed to grow. The farmer in Jesus' parable didn't just go out and like throw the seed harder at the soil and say, you know, like you are going to grow and, and I'm going to force you to grow. It's he just recognizes that some seed's not prepared, and you've got to let the Holy Spirit prepare those hearts. And And I, I know that that there are certain times with my kids, they may not desire what I want them to desire. They may not be thinking with the driver initiative I think they should have or with the wisdom, with the values. Um, I've spoken the truth to them. I've planted that seed, and now I've got to let the seed grow um, in the soil. Now, that doesn't mean I relinquish my responsibility as their parent to, to protect them. At one point, Veronica and I came to understand that there were four kind of guiding principles when it came to our kids if they weren't doing what we wanted them to do. Our responsibility was, number one, to tell them the truth. That's our role in planting the seed. Second thing, it was to keep them from detonating nuclear bombs. You know, and what I mean by that is things that they can't recover from. I have a responsibility to protect them from themselves. Um, I can't protect them from everything. They're going to have to learn some things the hard way and make decisions, and they're going to choose to do things I don't want them to do, and they're going to struggle with with that. But I can keep them from doing things that, that would alter their lives forever and and say, yeah, on my watch, I can't let that happen. Number three, I've got to protect the integrity of my house. 
and protect other kids. So there were a number of things. I'm like, you have to be home at this time. You cannot bring this into that house. You, These are the kind of things that won't happen here. Um, and then the fourth principle was we, we always wanted to keep the relationship open. We want to keep the relationship open and we wanted to maintain the kind of relationship where after telling them the truth, we had not created a, an environment where they just did not want to ever talk to us again. I've been encouraged by Psalm 37, which you can read in the context of parenting. It's not just about that, but you can read it. It says, don't fret when evil grows, think in your child um, and you can't defeat it. Don't turn to frustrated wrath. Wait on God, because to those who wait, he gives salvation. The meek, the meek inherit the earth because God gives it to them. There's a meekness in parenting that, yes, I'm, I'm not going to fret when evil is growing in my child because I, my anger is not going to stop it. I'm going to call it out. I'm going to control it a little bit or control the damage that happens when they're adolescents. But I, I cannot root it out. I can speak the truth, and then I wait on the Lord to work salvation and to cultivate the soil so that it 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 grows and, and flowers and, and brings forth abundant fruit. Circle back to that fourth guiding principle that I referred to of, of keeping the relationship open. Um, I've heard it said before like this, don't trade control for influence. Because if you insist on control and you insist on conformity in a way that drives your kid away, you're going to lose all influence. Now, again, we're not talking about 12-year-olds. We're talking about teenagers as we're beginning to go through the process of, of emancipation. I want to maintain the influence. And that means sometimes respecting the decisions to a, to a degree, not you know fully, but sometimes respecting the decisions to a, a limit, even when I, I'm, I'm not happy with them because I want to retain my role of openness and influence. It's been hard for me to learn this. In fact, it's one of the most counterintuitive thing for me is that in one sense, the quality of my relationship with my kid is even more important than the content of my teaching. It's, 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 it's the quality of our relationship that ultimately is what God uses to create a, an environment that they're able to come home. One of my friends pointed out, he said, you know, the, the, the father and the prodigal son story was not out chasing the kid around, you know, beating him over the head as he's eating with the pigs, telling him what a, what a fool he was. He was just standing there at home with arms open wide. He said, you can't play the role of prophet and father at the same time. God has lots of people who will play prophet. There's only one person who can play father, and that's you. And so after speaking truth, after limiting some of the damage, after protecting the integrity of my home, I do want to maintain this relationship that respects who they're becoming, the free adult they're becoming, and you know, creates an openness pictured in that, that father with his arms stretched out wide. My problem has always been that I don't trust God to do it, so I try to do it. When the seed's not growing, I dig up the seed and I, you know, what's wrong with the seed? Did I not, you know, do I need to sow different seed? Is it, did I not sow it right? Um, I, I wanted to, to yell at the soil and say, grow. And the effect of that was it kind of created distance. The law, when it's preached to a heart that's not ready for it, you know, preached once is good, preached, you know, over and over again, it just, it creates distance and it drives away. After you've spoken the truth, after that, the, the content is clear then it's not continuing to just to force the seed in that's going to bring forth fruit. It's some things you just got to trust God to work in their heart. Um, in that seed analogy I used of planting the seed, um, and I talked about how, you know, you can, the rain and the sun, you, you know, as a farmer, you can make sure that the seed is getting the rain and the sun. I would say the quality of your relationship, not the quantity of the amount of devotions and instructions that you give, that's the rain and the sun that will create the the situation where the, where the seed can, can grow and flourish. 
an older pastor speaking into my life said, he said, you know, the, the, the mistake that guys like you make pastors is he said, you try to pastor your kids instead of parent them. And he said, as a pastor, you're always telling people what God's word says and how they're not doing it and how they need to do it. He said, what your kid needs most from you as a parent, the focus of a parent is not just telling you where you're wrong and how you need to change. The focus of a parent is I'm there at your ball game. There's nobody that's a bigger fan of you. I'm cheering for you. He said, don't try to compel in your kids um, what only God can produce. Make sure you, you you primarily are their parent, even before you're their pastor, and create that environment where um, the sown word of God in their hearts can grow and it can flourish. Release the control and trust God to do what he is going to do, that he is, he is the one that is going to orchestrate their salvation. There's actually a few more things here, particularly when it comes to a child that's rebelled. But let me just put a put a bookmark in this, and let's pick that up next time and talk about some other things that um, that especially if you're in a time where your kids are are pushing against you, that may, that may help. And so let's do that next time on Ask Me Anything. We'll kind of make that a part two. Thanks, Pastor JD. Hopefully that is helpful for all of you out there who are trying to figure out what it looks like to parent teenagers right now. Hopefully it's encouraging and equipping as well. Um, If you ever want more resources from Pastor JD on topics like this or dating or marriage or anything else, you can always go to jdgreer.com. And that is just a great place for resources. And if you want up-to-date information on what JD is thinking or doing or the content that's coming out, you can also follow him on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all great ways to get more from Pastor JD. So we would encourage you to follow him there. We will see you next time on another episode of Ask Me Anything.